This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. If you feel you or someone you know is struggling with mental health, please seek mental health counseling. If you feel you or somebody you know is in danger, please call a local emergency number or the National Suicide Prevention Line at 1-800-273-8255. That being said, let's start the show. Welcome to the Brain Drain Zone, a podcast where a clinical mental health counselor and a dorky writer sit down to discuss and explore the psychology and nerddom that is so close to our hearts. Join us as we discuss the psychology of life, comics, music, and anything else we can think of. My name is Chris Courtney. I'm Heather Bealey. Hello. Hi. Yeah, well, I, hopefully you guys had a uh, wonderful Christmas, Kwanzaa, Yule, Saturnalia, Hanukkah. We did, and then we didn't. Yes, <laughs> we kind of did. We we did, but then again, we didn't because, to be honest, that's the primary reason why uh, there was no December episodes because you know the holidays were you know the holidays are a busy time for everybody. Plus, uh, to be on, to be perfectly honest, I was going through some some personal shit uh and so i didn't i i didn't feel as if i could um reliably create the content that you people have come to rely on and if you guys are wondering why my audio sounds a little different it's because i got the virus Uh, yes heather is ill and quarantined for the time being so we decided but we again we we're like we can't take another month off what what will our listeners think they'll 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 miss the the quality content, uh, so we're gonna do this over Skype this this month. But don't worry, folks. I have plenty of beer. <laughs> okay, I I I get I I guess I can't say anything because you know my initial thought was like it's 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 morning, but then I looked at the clock and I'm like, oh yeah, it's 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 not the. No yeah, the 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 uh, the short version of that is my initial thought. My while well, my initial reaction was to say something and be uh, semi humorously judgeful. Uh, I cannot be judgeful in any or uh, judgy in any shape or form because it is now PM. So anyway, quick recap, Heather. How what how did your Christmas go? Christmas and or holiday, whatever, uh, go. Ah, so it sounds like your family kind of bowed to the tradition of the once your children become adults, you start giving them gifts that they need rather than what they want in in an ex, in almost exclusively. Well, honestly, like most of my wants are either a covered already or b they revolve around comics and manga. And as much as I love my family dearly. They don't know dick about shit when it comes to comics or manga. So I prefer to handle that realm by myself because I know what I like. So I just tell them what I need so they can at least get me something that I will be able to use. Like a printer. A reliable printer. Mm. And a vacuum cleaner that does not rely on a cord that gets frayed. 
Fair enough. You know, to I I have sort of the same logic when it comes to both uh, music and video games. When it comes to my parents, at least. Although, also to be fair, at this point, my mother has actively drawn the line in the sand where she absolutely refuses to purchase, even for holidays or birth, like even for Christmas or birthdays or whatever. She absolutely refuses to purchase anything associated with video games anymore. I published two more books. Yay! It, why don't you tell the listeners what, what their titles are, where you can get them, possibly how much they are. Yeah. Well, both of them are free verse poetry books. You've got um, Odd Little Moments, which is kind of a sister book to my previous entries, like Poems from by a 20-something and Thoughts from the Regular. Uh, it's just cataloging the year, a year with like strange little moments, funny little anecdotes that I have. And then you get fragments from Dreamland, which is also free verse, which a lot of them are a collection of longer story poems. Mm-hmm. So like they're not epic, like like epic kind of poems, like where they like they're they're more of a narrative than. I guess so, but they're it's more like scenes from a dream than epics. Mm. So good chunk of them are going to be weird as hell, but. I think, I personally think they're, like, good weird as hell. I don't know, Chris. You read them. What do you think? Um, I'm kind of biased uh, in, in the general sense, at the very least, because in, in my mind, and we've discussed this before, like, how you know, how I think of and how I read poetry. To me, if a poetry is not just, just at, like, as a default setting, if what I'm, if the poetry I'm reading is not dark or weird as hell, chances are I don't want to read it. Luckily for me, I checked both of, the, both of those boxes, eh? Yes. <laughs> often, anyway, often comorbidly and consistently. <laughs> but anyway, you can purchase both of those books on Amazon. Both of them are $5 for the paperback or a buck fifty for the e-version. Nice. Yeah. So all, of, all of my poetry books are $5 <coughs> Yeah, I, I know my I know my place in the writer's hierarchy. I know I can't exactly demand fifteen dollars per book yet. So yeah, I mean, I mean, to be fair, you know, even when it comes to any piece of literature, whether it's poetry or whatever, I feel like you have to evaluate not only the when you're setting when you're ask setting your asking price. I feel like you have to not only evaluate the quality, or at least the perceived and uh, quality of your work. But you also have to consider the genre and more than likely primary audience that you're serving. Because, you know, I feel like that's something that as sort of a comparison that a lot of like local painters don't do. Because like on one hand, like I I get and I totally support local artists and everything. I But there I admit that there have been times when like I'll walk into a place like just like a like a brewery or whatever or a, or a bar of some kind and they'll have like local art hung up and, but they'll be but the piece will be for sale and there there have been the occasional occurrence where like I'll see the price of what they're being sold for and I'm just like um what it's like on one hand it's like I get that I get that you need to eat and but like it's kind of like a financial read the room kind of thing yeah, at least on the local <clears throat> where I know that 
nobody's going to spend $15 on, for a free verse poetry book by nobody. $5, however, is very much a, eh, why the hell not? Yeah, it's not, it's not like, uh, it's still different than, you know, the whole concept of the fact that nobody walks into, like, a bar or whatever, sees local art, and be like, okay, I not only do I want a beer, but I have, like, an extra $500 burning a hole in my pocket. Yeah. Well, how about you, Chris? How was your uh, Christmas, New Year's? Mine was interesting. Um, I inspired, suffice it to say, I inspired a few passionate family discussions over the dinner table at my family gathering. Uh, one of which was the, the question, we discussed the question, uh, if you could be, you know, if you could have a superpower, uh, which would it be? But the, but the caveat is, uh, you can only have one superpower and you still have to be you in your life. And that was... That was a lot, that was actually a lot of a lot more fun than I thought it would be, considering the vast majority of my family has a not not non-existent but a very negligible knowledge base when it comes to comic books. We also briefly discussed uh, we 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 also discussed um, and revisited the uh, discussion that we've had previously as to what is the most time-intensive cereal. So that was fun. All right. So uh, why don't we get into what we are here to discuss today. Yes. Um, today's topic is actually, interestingly enough, essentially brought to you by a client of mine, basically who heard about my podcast and um, they offered up a suggestion as to what they think this month's topic should be. Because to be honest, I w- at the time, I, I was I, w- I had no idea what, what we were going to cover this month. And I knew they were also a comic book fan. So they, you know, I asked for input considering they were showing interest. So yeah, this, yeah, yeah, like I said, this topic is brought to you by a client, interestingly enough. Um, So specifically, today's topic, we will, from a psychological perspective, we will be examining both general, quote unquote, and complex manifestations of PTSD and how it affects behavior, particularly in the realm, basically in the spectrum between altruism and feudalistic, like, cynicism. And, and And as far as the comic book aspect of it, which Heather will be mostly covering, because uh, we both had to do our separate research. We will be comparing two different characters on opposite ends of the spectrum as sort of like a case, a comparison case study. Uh, specifically, we will be discussing Daredevil and The Punisher. So this should be interesting. Uh, I'm sorry, I, I interrupted you. Or Oh no, I was just interjecting saying we're doing Daredevil and Punisher. Ah, okay. So Yay! Before we get comics version, I think we should probably go into PTSD and what you mean by complex and whatever with PTSD. I've, I do get, have a vague understanding of PTSD from what I remember from my college days, but mm-hmm. I think quite a few of newbie viewers would not know that there are nuances and complexities when it comes to PTSD or post-traumatic stress disorder. For right. Those of you who don't know, because a lot of people have this singular idea of what PTSD is and how it manifests in people's behaviors. They think it's just this one thing where you're curled up into the corner, either crying, muttering, or sobbing to yourself, and that's it. That's what PTSD is. Mm -hmm. And they don't understand 
just how complex it can be. So how about we identify? How about we define a few terms first before okay. we get down onto the Daredevil and Punisher? Right. Okay. Uh, well, I feel like the general idea of PTSD may not need a, a lengthy explanation for two reasons. One, for, for better or for worse, I feel like the concept of how it manifests generally has not only been saturated at this point into what knowledge there is, what psychological knowledge there is in our culture, but I also believe that, you know, we've just on this show, there have been a number of different times where we've either discussed in, or somehow covered PTSD. So I feel like PTSD as a, um, like in a general sense, as a base kind of diagnosis is, is, is at least reasonably well understood for the sake of discussion. That being said, this make me, may make me sound twisted, but this is mostly because, you know, I'm a mental health practitioner and therefore I'm curious about, you know, things that other people are like, wow, that's that really sucks. My mind is like both, yeah, that really sucks, but also like this kind of interests me. I want to figure it out. So as a base definition, just like a basic understanding, complex PTSD, which is sometimes abbreviated as either lower or uppercase CPS, CPTSD, is basically a condition where you are experiencing symptoms of PTSD as well as additional symptoms. Like, for example, enhance a more severe symptom of PTSD or that plus a comorbidity thing, where it's like, on one hand, you have obviously you have PTSD, and you're struggling with PTSD as well, and you're struggling with other symptoms that, from a diagnostics perspective, would be better suited to something like depression or bipolar or something like that. But even though by definition the symptoms better fit another diagnosis, the fact is the reason they're occurring is still rooted in the core problem of, of PTSD, if that makes sense. Like if you're experiencing, for example, bipolar type mood swings, but it's been clinically evaluated that the reason that not only the manifestation, but the reason that these mood swings started is because of the PTSD diagnosis <coughs> and is rooted and pertains to the original individual or set of traumatic experiences, that's what makes PTSD considered complex. So... Okay, first of all, just because we're expensive does not necessarily mean we're paid well. Second of all, I feel like while somewhat accurate, your characterization is a bit overly terrifying. You know, I think a better statement would be that just the honest statement that you know, despite the fact that we have the DSM, that there's specific diagnostic criteria for all the mental disorders, the, the fact remains that any mental disorder, like, almost never manifests in what could be considered a textbook manner. You know, every manifestation of a mental disorder is unique according to the person and the symptoms and everything. And sometimes one symptom could be indicative of another. For example to step into the depressive world for a second, 
research has actually shown that when it comes to just the low mood and the traditionally well-known like sadness or whatever that is associated with depression, a lot of the research shows that the manifestation of sadness actually is more associated with uh, women because as I understand it, that for better or for worse, up until this point, from a societal and cultural standpoint, it's considered more normal, quote-unquote, for a woman to be more in touch with her emotional content, as it were. Whereas, because of the same factor, that same research has often shown that when it comes to men, the way it manifests for us is that same kind of symptomology actually manifests more often as frustration and anger. You know, it's it's essentially the same symptom. It just, because of different societal perceptions and cultural factors, it just shows up differently. Even though frustration itself is not, if you look at depression, major like major depressive disorder, as it, it currently is in the DSM, frustration, as I remember without looking, does not, you know, it's it's not on the list of criteria. That's what I was going with with my little rant there is, is mental, like mental illness is kind of like physical illnesses in a way, like specifically with like different diseases and viruses where sometimes a doctor can take a look at you, see that you have a runny nose, you get a cough or a sore throat and they're thinking, oh, you just got a cold, like mm-hmm. just take a couple of cough drops rest for a few days and you'll be fine that is what i thought when i first was showing symptoms of covid Mm because i had like the stuffy nose and the weather around here has been kind of up and down recently and that's usually what kind of triggers my sinuses Mm -hmm. so i i honestly thought that i was just having cold and any doctor would look at me and think oh you've just got a cold or oh you just got a light fever you just need to rest for a few days Mm -hmm. and with a lot of physical symptoms they can be overlapping and they can mean a wide variety of things like a sore throat could mean that you just got strep throat it could mean that you overdid yourself with shouting, or it can mean your tonsils need to come out right now. Right. It's like that with mental illness. Right. There are so many different symptoms, and it's kind of, it is kind of frustrating looking at different cases. It's like, okay, so is this BPD? Is this bipolar disorder? Is this just depression? And it's manifesting in a weird way. Mm-hmm. It, it, it is kind of frustrating, but I guess in that vein, How about we go over, like, I do remember this from my psychology courses. Mm -hmm. When it comes to actually diagnosing somebody with something, they have to meet a certain number of criteria for that illness in order to be diagnosed with that. I think with schizophrenia, you have to hit, like, five of the points listed before you are diagnosed with schizophrenia. Why don't we go over, why don't we go over the different points that you need to, like, like the checklist that you need to check off in order to be diagnosed with uh, PTSD. There are, because... It, it, I will say it's extensive, because... Well, I think what a lot of folks won't, don't understand about mental illness, because it's so cerebral, mm-hmm. and it can be very confusing sometimes, we're, it's, it's very much like, okay, you have these symptoms, and these are the reasons for it, so most likely you have this disorder right now. Mm-hmm. And it, it is frustrating.
frustrating, and it sounds like a lot of guesswork, and sometimes it kind of is, but... But as much as even, like, medical doctors and medical researchers would like to try and, you know, put out the impression of this, the fact remains that just general statement, health, whether it be mental or physical, is not always an exact science. There, in, there are some times when, you know, like not only different manifestations of physical and mental illnesses can vary from person to person, but just in a general health status, you know, like, and I'm not a dietitian, so take what I say with a grain of salt, but just as a ge- very general example, you know, when it comes to as far as what your body responds well or doesn't to, you know, there there is some truth to the statement that when it comes to like food, that uh, what is what might be good for one person very well may kill the person sitting next to them. Yeah, like back to the schizophrenia example. Mm-hmm. Like just with schizophrenia alone, it manifests itself in a wide variety of different things Mm -hmm. that if you took a look at someone you would probably not even know they had schizophrenia because they don't fit the requirement of the like like twitching eye crack Mm -hmm. head look Mm -hmm. talking about how the lizard people are going to take over the government and it's kind of the same thing with ptsd like there are plenty of people walking around with ptsd you would not even know they had it mm-hmm. until Or even if you had a suspicion, you may very well think that it's just something either minor or completely different, depending or, on its manifestation. Or, and a very sad... I, I personally think this is a very sad possibility, where you know someone has been through a traumatic event, but because they're just carrying on like nothing happened, or they just live their life you're thinking they didn't develop PTSD because they're acting so normal so how could they have PTSD and you don't realize that they do it's just they're manifesting it either in or they're allowing themselves to express it in private or it manifests in a different way which is very very possible but I feel like I have to also add the caveat as a practitioner is in that there are similar instances to that where Someone may experience a traumatic event and is traumatized, but by the time they sit in front of me, they've come to terms with it. They're fine. You know, they've, they, in one way or another, they've learned to deal with it in a functional way, or they may not even be considered a traumatic event when they don't consider that they, that they were ever traumatized by it. And that's when you have to be careful when you're t- discussing trauma history with a client, because on one hand, you know, you have to basically evaluate if they say like something like this happened, but no, I'm fine with it. You have to learn to listen to like the subtext of other stuff they're saying to try and evaluate, you know, is this manifesting in a, in a different aspect of their life or are they truly fine? Like, does this not bother them? Because just, be, you know, in that case, then not only do they not, even though they've experienced a traumatic event, qualify for PTSD, but at that point, you know, if a clinician or whoever basically, for lack of a better term, presses the issue, um, be like, what, you know, you experienced this, why weren't you, you know, why did, why didn't you react this way? Like, what was your true reaction to it and all that stuff? You know, if they weren't traumatized in the first place or if they got over it, you really don't want to re-traumatize the client. Isn't psychology fun, folks? <sighs> 
to discuss why it, and why it frustrates us when people try to simplify psychology to like a very black and white thing because psychology in and of itself, just like with the medical field, it's not a black and white thing. And as we're going to see with the two characters that we're going to discuss, it's kind of up in the air with Daredevil, whether he is suffering from PTSD, but I don't know if this is just me projecting or not with the Punisher. It's kind of obvious he is suffering from PTSD, but it's just... Or at least the Punisher is struggling with a form of PTSD that's more conventionally understood. Like it's an easier picture of PTSD to grasp by someone who's not a clinician rather than any and all manifestations of PTSD in like in the case of like Daredevil. Well, honestly with both of those characters, if you had the idea of PTSD in the back of your head, you would not consider either of them to be suffering from it because they seem to be like functioningly functioning relatively okay with their lives, mm -hmm. even though it's kind of obvious they still got problems, they're not, like, debilitated in any ways. Uh, they do have their mental breakdowns here or there, but they don't at least appear to be, at least with the major public perception, they don't appear to be debilitated in any ways. Right, they are able to go about their daily business, like, routine-wise and everything like that. They're able to manage that, and that's... Uh, what I'm understanding is you saying. And hell, with the Punisher in certain different groups, we're not going to get into the politics of it, but in certain different groups, he's seen as a figure of strength. Mm -hmm. Like, he's seen as a figure of strength. You would not, they would not even really consider him to right. be suffering from anything. Right. That his actions and morals are justified, mm -hmm. and so they don't consider the implications of. Uh, a dude is going around just... Murdering people who... Uh, he has to be... Right. Yeah. It breaks down to people who don't adhere to his personal moral code. To be, I mean, to be fair, an example we're going to bring up later with the Punisher, a good chunk of the people he kills, yeah, they deserved it. It's, it's one of those things where it's like, as a concept, it's horrifying, but in practice, it's not because... I mean, the the, the, the justice system every day. So. Well, right. But the fact is, by and large... Most people who read The Punisher um, and read the comic books in general, like as a society, they can agree their moral compass more or less aligns with Punishers and therefore what he does is justified. But once you remove that aspect of it, to be honest, and you consider just this simple idea of a human being going around literally acting as judge, jury, and executioner and using his or her personal moral code as a standard for that, as an objective concept, that is truly horrifying. Yeah. Which is why comics like Judge Dredd are so fun to discuss among fans. Right. But anyways, I think now is a good time as any to like transition to the comics version of this. Yes, to, for at least That's for an ex initial, initial establishment of context as far as like altruism versus... Uh, feudalistic cynicism. All right, and I guess this is my turn to be able to come in here and talk a little bit about the characters we are going to discuss. Yes. So I'm going to go off on a limb and say that a mo the majority of our audience is fully aware of who the Darede who Daredevil and the Punisher are. At least in Daredevil a general sense. Daredevil is the dude in the red suit who flies around and protects Hell's Kitchen. 
Punisher goes around and kills any mass murderer or pedophile that deserves his wrath. Or mafia dude. So the basic backstories, and for like the extreme comic savvy people, I'm not going to get into the various different universes, versions, because oh my god. Yeah, that would be like stopping a conversation of zombie apocalypses by asking... Well, doesn't it depend on what kind of zombie you're talking about? And at that point, you have to establish, this is the type of zombie we're talking about. This is the only type of zombie we're talking about. Otherwise, we literally cannot advance this conversation. It's kind of like talking about, to stay on topic, it's kind of like talking about developmental psychology. And it's like, well, it kind of depends. If you go by this psychologist's interpretation, or if you go by that psychologist's interpretation, because it's like, there's a lot to discuss there, and you can't really go with just one and say that is it, because, oh my god. Uh, origin stories is more complicated than trying to explain the 1960s as far as psychology development. Right, like you have to establish very early on, not that particular theory is exclusively right or wrong, but just for the sake of context, you have to establish that this discussion is happening in reference to, say, within the scope of Erickson's theory of psychosocial development, and that's where we're staying, to make this conversation not play out like a risk game. So, for the, for the, for just for brevity, we're going to stick with the generally acknowledged backstory mm-hmm. of these two characters, and I am only going to include, like, major, minor variations when it comes to discussing exactly when the trauma has happened. Mm-hmm. So we're going to go with that. So basically you're sticking to like what could be described as like the backstory of origin. Yeah, like where they, they started. On backstory of origin for these two characters. And I'm only going to include like, it could be this, could be that, if, when it's relevant to trauma specifically. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, okay, we're going to start with Daredevil. For his real name being Matt Murdock. Mm-hmm. So, his superhero origin story is essentially when he was a child, he was just walking around the street, down the street doing kids' stuff or whatever, <laughs> and he saves a man from a car crash, but in the process, he gets radioactive fluid splashed onto his face, and it blinds him, but it also gives him some sense of radar which he would later hone and train for becoming Daredevil. And depending on depending on your variation, either he kind of figures that out himself through self-discipline or he goes by the tra- the man of sticks. He's mm-hmm. kind of like a ninja trainer right. guy. <laughs> and his father, who is known as Battling Jack Murdoch, he was a boxer and he started... He started working with the fixer in order to like fix boxing matches so that he can earn enough money in order to support his now blind son. Mm-hmm. And at some point, depending on if it's in childhood or in adulthood, again, like I'm only mentioning this because when the trauma happens, kind of kind of varies on where Matt's journey goes. Mm-hmm. He eventually decides to go against the fixer and win a match for once. And then the fixer has him killed mm-hmm. as a consequence. And it's a combination of Matt Murdock's own sense of morality 
wanting to do good to humanity, which ultimately is why he becomes a lawyer, mm-hmm. and the death of his father, that he eventually decides to take up the mantle of Daredevil, and starts off in a really stupid-looking costume. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, okay, if you look at the original Daredevil costume, it is really stupid-looking. Mm-hmm. But eventually, he does become the Daredevil that we know today. Plus and minus a couple of dead girlfriends and the fact that he is officially the sacrificial lamb whenever a big Marvel event happens. Mm-hmm. Like, with either, take your pick, Civil War, the Ultimates, like, mm-hmm. when they want to drum up any sympathy from the audience or whenever they want to emphasize how bad the situation is for the Marvel Universe, Daredevil's the first one to be sacrificed on that altar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's kind of funny how how everyone just acknowledges, yeah, he's the sacrificial lamb. So that is the basic general gist of Daredevil. Okay. Now, the basic... And for Punisher, or real name being Frank Castle, there is... In general, there is before Garth Ennis Punisher, and there's after Garth Ennis Punisher. (laughs) I'll explain the difference when we come along, because... When we first see the Punisher, he is already an assassin, and his first hit is uh, is Spider-Man, because he is tricked into believing that Spider-Man is a villainous person. Mm-hmm. So he, in that issue, he's trying to take down Spider-Man, and then he eventually realizes, no, Spider-Man's a good guy, he's not a bad guy, and so he, of, of course, he doesn't kill Spider-Man. Right. But... In his more original adaptations, it is acknowledged that he... Well, okay. Sorry. I'm a little scatterbrained at the moment. Blame the sickness. But he was a average-ish family man who was a war veteran. And then one day, his family and him were having a picnic in the, in the park, as you do. Mm-hmm. And then his family basically just gets slaughtered okay. during a mob fight. They get caught, caught in the crossfire, and that motivates him to become the Punisher. Mm-hmm. And there's a little bit of... A couple of years before the Garth Ennis run, where it kind of explores just how very one-track-minded Frank Castle was, but it was generally agreed on that Frank Castle was a normal-ish dude before mm-hmm. he became the Punisher, before he was traumatized. Mm-hmm. And then we get to Garth Ennis' run. And with Garth Ennis... Who we've discussed extensively on this podcast before. Yes, we have. But Garth Ennis decided to go with the fact that Frank Castle was already kind of an antisocial person even before he went to Vietnam. Like, he was already a distant kid coming, growing up in a rough area. Mm-hmm. So he was already kind of a distant kid, and then with Vietnam, it, it did break him to an extent, but even when he came back, he was not the <coughs> normal dude. Mm-hmm. And even in that one, there's this one issue in the Garfenis run where Frank Castle is kind of reflecting on his life and he's coming to the conclusion that even though he has come back, he has a wife, he has children, he realizes this is not who I am. I am not an average man. Mm-hmm. I am meant to be a killer. And mm-hmm. he even tells his wife, literally minutes before she is massacred, look, 
I want a divorce. You can take whatever you want. I'll sign whatever papers you want, but this is not who I am. Mm -hmm. And then his wife and kids get murdered. (laughs) Talk about a rough road to go out on. Right. So that's why I say say that there is a difference between pre-Garth Ennis and post-Garth Ennis. Because Mm -hmm. Garth Ennis adds that additional change that, no, Frank Castle was actually distant and troubled to begin with it's just not he has now found his calling Mm -hmm. as who he's supposed to be and the murder of his family is just a justification for him to do what he does Mm -hmm. even though even within the garth endis run it's like he was gonna do this whether or not right to but so that that is the basic rundown of those and the reason why I'm saying we're not getting into, like, alternate universe things is because, oh my god. Yeah. Long story short, at some point in the 90s, uh, the Punisher went black, then back, and at some point he was an angel. Aha! Uh-huh. Sounds like Spawn. No, and when I say black, then back, I mean he was turned black for a little short period of time with Luke Cage for a little bit. Like, they didn't just designate another person who happened to be African-American as Punisher. Like, you're saying that at some point, somehow, Frank Castle's skin or whatever literally turned somehow black and then went back to being white. The justification was he got royally fucked up and he went to this specific doctor for skin grafting. That doctor was experimenting with melanin when it came to, like, different procedures for helping out with that. So after the skin grafting procedure, Frank Castle was black. That's fucked up in, like, just so many ways. Just so many, just unnecessary And then he ways. went back to white. <sighs> so, yeah, folks, that is why we're not getting into, like, all of the nitty gritty details because stupid shit like that is there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and I still have no idea what the hell Marvel was thinking when they came up with that idea. <laughs> Dude, the, you know, especially when it comes to like establishing and executing multiple universes, you know, to be honest, I would argue that to some degree, as far as complexity unnecessarily and just convolutedness there are a number of ways in which marvel is is even worse than dc when it comes to that kind of thing oh yeah because with unlike with dc where where they kind of have a reset every once in a while marvel is all the same timeline yeah it's just oh my god yeah and by the way both punisher and daredevil are marvel characters so yeah hell of a lot of complexity that's why i'm being overly simplified in their backstories because Mm -hmm. Oh, boy. If we even tried to get into, like, the in-depth histories of either of those characters... Yeah. I'm sure there... I'm sure even now there's going to be some nerds who are just throwing hands with my oversimplified explanation Mm -hmm. of these characters. Despite the fact that you gave appropriate context and caveats, the very fact that you simplified the concept in general, uh, somebody somewhere is going to be upset and probably, like, blog about it or something. I don't know. Ah, they can do whatever the hell they want. I got no reputation to protect anyways. Yeah. 
And I and I haven't had a sense of dignity in a very long time, so. All right. So as far as when it comes to like with post traumatic stress, mm-hmm. I we've discussed this before, but we've kind of come to the agreement that the Punisher is essentially what Daredevil would have been if Daredevil just stopped caring. Yeah, in many ways, you could actually, the funnily enough, you could use like a DC-based argument because those of you who are familiar with uh, Batman the Killing Joke, one of the entire points of and themes of using that was to establish and identify that Batman and the Joker are very much mirror reflections of each other in that you know, obviously they both had bad days and they both went different directions with it. And they they both show an equal amount of passion and drive to towards their chosen end. And one could actually use that argument in this case where, you know, even though they're not direct adversaries or anything like that, like Batman and the Joker are, I, I feel like one could legitimately argue that Daredevil and Punisher are in many ways mirror reflections of each other. And this did not go unnoticed with several Marvel writers, including, as we, who we've mentioned before, Garth Ennis. Mm-hmm. Because, despite everything, while Matt Murdock or Daredevil considers Punisher to be insane mm-hmm. and would not consciously rely on the Punisher, like, seriously consciously rely on the Punisher to help him out with a team-up, the Punisher actually has a weird respect for daredevil mm-hmm. he, he, he believes very much that daredevil is naive mm-hmm. and there's even this beautifully crafted garth Ennis story where long story short the punisher is able to uh subdue daredevil and tie him to a pillar with a gun strapped to his hand and saying look i'm gonna kill this criminal whether you like it or not and that there's one bullet in that gun that is your one chance and your one choice to save that criminal Mm. So he does firmly believe that Daredevil is naive in a sense, but he does hold a respect for Daredevil. And the Punisher fully acknowledges what he is, Mm. but he does have that respect for Daredevil and a couple of other heroes like Captain America, for example. Mm. To step out, as a comparison, to step out of comics for a minute, it sounds kind of like in the first Kung Fu Panda when Poe is described to Tai Lung as, uh, to Tai Lung, and, and Tai Lung is like finally a worthy opponent, and there's, he, he's, he's satisfied, but yes, he considers Poe an enemy, but he, he, he automatically respects him because he considers that this person is worthy of fighting him. It's more, well, with the Punisher, it's more of the fact that he respects the fact that Daredevil is willing to take criminals down, and, he's, and, mm. he, and he respects that Daredevil has done, gone down the crazy route of becoming a costume hero anyway mm-hmm. to go and take the law into his own hands in his own way. Mm-hmm. But where they disagree is where that line is. Mm-hmm. That's why I say that the Punisher is what Daredevil would be if the Daredevil stopped caring. Because both of these men are suffering from trauma. With a Punisher, it's, yes, the obvious trauma of losing his family in the way that he did, but it's also from the Garth Ennis version, it's from his rough childhood, it's from the war, just making him into the hardened man that he is. Mm -hmm. With Daredevil, not only is it the accident he suffered, not only is it having his father be killed by criminals on the street... 
but it's also just Daredevil has, like, the worst love life out of... <laughs> oh my god, just look, just a cursory glance at the girlfriends that he has had. Mm-hmm. We're not even talking about, like, the different flings he's had with different superheroes. One died from suicide, she hung herself. Mm-hmm. Two were killed... And their deaths were related to Bullseye. You're talking, about Ka- you're talking about Karen specifically was one of them, right? Karen, yes. She was, like, indirectly killed by Bullseye. And you also have Electra Nachios. Right. In that infamous panel where Bullseye takes her own weapon and turns it against her. Mm-hmm. You've got a couple of his girlfriends that just go fucking crazy. Mm-hmm. And, and then he has had his identity revealed to his enemies... How many different times that it's just made his life so hard. Mm-hmm. And again, we're not even getting into the different flings he's had with different heroes. Matt just has like the worst love life ever. As a uh, as a comic book character, at least. As a comic book character, yes, because no matter what, his girlfriends are either dead or crazy. <laughs> yeah, because. Like I've told you before, pretty much the only work that I've read through in its entirety when it comes to Daredevil is Guardian Devil, and that's the one where Karen dies. Spoiler alert. And it's and I think it's because of that it's that recurring fear that anyone he comes in contact with will suffer that fate that adds on to the pressure and the trauma. Because he firmly believes in what he believes and he firmly believes in helping those who are downtrodden despite all of the suffering he's been through mm-hmm. he, I forgot where I was going with that sentence but he's basically like recurring he's constantly hopeful but mm-hmm. he's constantly being traumatized by just going through the life that he's going through right whereas with the Punisher the Punisher has been through his trauma and he's just accepted that that his, is his life He's accepted that life is just a never-ending disappointment that he just has to battle through and basically just guns ablaze and right life. And I can add on as far as like the more empathic manifestation uh, when it comes to Daredevil, because in the research that I was doing, as you know, to add on to my knowledge for this podcast, I came across an article that was written in 2018 that. It's called, you know, it's it's a lot about empathic anger and stuff. It's called, I'm so, I am so angry, I could dot, 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 help. But basically, you know, it, it makes the statement that, you know, despite the fact that there's been a lot of research concerning, you know, empathy, the presence of empathy and helping and altruism and everything, the fact remains that from a psychological perspective, definitions and conceptualizations are, there's like a lot of different ones. But they did set a standard by citing a previous study that identified actually four distinct perspectives that have been associated with empathy. Cognitive, perceptual, imagined, self-perspective, imagine how one would think and feel in, a, in another person's shoes, and effective and emotional matching, feeling as someone else feels. And, oh, and uh, effective... Or emotional concern. I realize that was five, but I, I misread one of them, so it is actually four. Basically, you know, it, it talks about that there are many times when the reason this works the way it does, especially with PTSD, because one of the commonly identified, although not necessarily 
required criteria for PTSD is difficulty or inability to effectively regulate irritable behavior and angry outbursts. You don't have to struggle with that to have PTSD, but more often than not, than my own experience... Both characters have done that. Right. What? Both characters have done that. Right. Just because Matt Murdock has, is considered one of the more level-headed heroes, that doesn't mean he hasn't had his outbursts. Right. The, I think the thing... With Matt Murdock, from a psychological perspective, the reason he become, he's a lot more altruistic than the Punisher is because when it comes to his trauma, he doesn't blame, as I understand it, other people for his trauma. You know, he doesn't you take the circumstances of his trauma and lay it at the feet of someone else, which would, in all probability, reduce the ability to... Punisher doesn't either, though. Well, I mean... I don't know about that. Castle will sometimes cite the death of his family, but it's, he, he, he does kind of acknowledge that he is who he is. Right. But the thing is, the reason, you know, from a psychological perspective, I feel it's safe to say that his interpretation of his trauma is that even if he is who he is, whether right or wrong, he places the blame almost in its entirety for the base trauma of his family getting killed at the feet of those who slaughtered them. Therefore, when he kills someone, the reason he kills someone is because he's basically associating his trauma with the circumstance at hand. And in addition to that, actively blaming that person for their actions. Right, rightly or wrongly, that's what he's doing. Which again, from a psychological perspective, drastically reduce his ability to understand any potential reason why it may have happened. Like, I guess, I guess as a more simplified example, Punisher would be one of those people who, say, watches the 2019 production of Joker, and his entire reaction would be to designate Joaquin Phoenix as a monster, and that he is... It doesn't matter what happened to him, but he, he is just a monster. He did bad things and he needs to be executed. Whereas, I don't know how Daredevil will react in that specific circumstance, but as a as sort of a converse point, the empathic distress and anger, when it's internalized, when it's associated with guilt, when you assign the blame to yourself, that by and large, and as the research has shown in this particular case, is when it allows more room for empathy, basically because you're blaming the circumstances of your trauma and anything associated with you, and therefore you're internalizing a lot of that. Like from a basic standpoint, you're more open to the idea of at least trying to understand another person's perspective. as being completely not understanding because there's this one comic that I've mentioned to you before mm -hmm. and it is about it, well it's the second half of the comic that is available on Tumblr mm -hmm. but long story short Punisher arrives at the house this one house, he knocks the door oh a woman God. answers this is gonna like, be insane I know you are, he's like I know you are filming pornographic content with your children. Let me in now. Mm -hmm. And once he gets the parents down to the basement where the filming has happened, he just 
immediately kills the parents when mm-hmm. the children are upstairs out of sight. And while he is calling the police to come in and, you know, help the children, he laments to himself, as much as he feels like it's a job well done tonight, he can see in the eyes of the young bo- of the young children that are still going to remember what happened to them, that he's probably going to see them again. And the final quote at the end of that comic is, there are times I wish I could get my hands on God. Mm-hmm. So he does to a certain extent empathize but he operates more on the black and white idea of you committed a crime you caused someone else to suffer now i'm going to punish you Mm -hmm. so even though i can understand you to a certain extent you are still a bad guy that i need to kill right and that's honestly i agree for the most part but i think stuff Right. The difference between their approaches, Daredevil is willing to go the legal route. Right. Where the Punisher wants to take the law into his own hands. Right. How exactly to deal with the criminal. Right. And I would actually make an additional distinction in that statement. I agree with it, what you said about the Punisher for the most part. I feel like an distinction needs to be made where I agree with you that the Punisher, number of times understand justification for what they're doing i still don't think he empathizes because there's a very big distinction between the two the way that punisher seems to understand things and understand criminals it seems to be kind of like the way that rorschach in watchmen is shown in the panels where he recounts his breaking point where the dude kidnaps the girl does like horrible shit to her and then kills her and then feeds him to his pet dogs. Even after Rorschach confronts the dude and is angry and is actually in the process of breaking mentally, at that point he understands what has happened and the basic mentality of this dude, but he doesn't empathize. It's like what he said right before he kills the guy. Because the guy is like, Okay, fine, you caught me, arrest me. And Rorschach literally says, men are arrested, dogs get put down. So again, he understands the circumstances. He just has no empathy for the person who did the thing that was done. It's funny that you mentioned Rorschach, because I was about to say Rorschach a couple of times when describing the Punisher. Mm -hmm. Because they both share a very black and white view of the world and both of them are suffering from trauma Mm -hmm. like even before Rorschach's breaking point he does have that trauma of his childhood Mm -hmm. they're both very much alike in that way Mm -hmm. and I think the reason again from a psychological perspective to look at the other side of the coin I think you're right in the fact that Daredevil is more like Batman in that he's like we need to do this by the book. We need to do this in a, in a legally upheld proceeding. I feel like one of the reasons for that is that another thing my research yielded is there's a lot of association between the presence of what I discussed as empathic anger and the presence of personal values, but willingness to sacrifice them. You know, for example. Punisher may have had personal values or whatever, he, you know, family man, whatever, but the way his PTSD manifested, like we've said, he just kind of gave up and he saw he was of the mindset that 
the values that he may have once upheld are no longer worth anything. Whereas what Daredevil does, he not only keeps the values, sees them as not worthy of being sacrificed, but his values for him, even though he feels traumatized and everything, they become sort of like a lifeline to him. You know, like this is what is tethering me to essentially the real world. You know, even though I I have difficulty functioning in the real world and I have my own way of pursuing justice, the fact is, this is my lifeline. Yeah. This is my psychological lifeline. But back to our original topic, so would you say that as far as when it comes to post-traumatic stress disorder, Mm -hmm. would you say that both of them are, in a way, suffering from it, it's just... The Punisher decides to lean in and just go with his fight-or-flight response, where the Daredevil is acknowledging it somewhat and tries to prevent it as much as he can. I think it's a matter, from a traumatic stress standpoint, it has more to do with personal motives and the more philosophical aspect of both sides of feudalism because and I need to make the caveat here you know that what I'm about to argue has nothing to do with strength of will or strength of character it nothing like that you know it's not I'm not making like a a quality judgment when it comes to either of these characters or anyone who struggles with this kind of thing in general but the fact is, because of your own values and your own ideas, it comes down to, at some point, from a psychological perspective, you're going to make a conscious or an unconscious decision as to how you view things. You know, there, there's a, like I said, there's a lot of factors that go into it, but it, it comes down to what are your values and how important are they to you? Do you feel as if, the randomness and impact of the traumatic experience or experiences that you've suffered with, do you feel like they negate the meaning of what you personally believe in from like a moral standpoint? Or do you feel as if whatever your values are, whether they be societally acceptable or not, do you feel that they are more like the last bastion, the last holdout, as it were, you know? It seems to me, in many ways, obviously not everybody who has PTSD is going to go out and try and fight crime, um, but just as a daily function, I feel like when it comes to, I I will say I'm not going to go into the entire philosophical debate of morality because then we'll be here all day. But I think it boils down to, even after the traumatic experience, how you interpret its impact on your own sense of values in that what's important to you. What are your standards? What is important to you? That kind of thing. And I think, as we've discussed this in real time, I feel like I've come to the thought that if you do struggle with PTSD, I guess I would encourage you as a message, if you're going to take a message from this particular podcast, is that I would encourage just to be mindful of the fact that more likely than not, at some point, if you haven't already, you will make a conscious or an unconscious decision as to where 
your standards and values lie, like what position they hold in your life and how important they are as to words and actions. To, to some degree, at least. I think that's a good point to end on for this kind of topic, huh? So. so hope uh, you enjoyed our episode today, folks. Yes. Um, do we have any um, ideas as to what we should do uh, next month? Can we go deep dive into the killing joke? That's a possibility. Okay. Yeah, I was thinking, you know, as much as I am of my own mindset, we could we we could do something at least sort of related to and or associated with that could be like tied to Valentine's Day. What is that? Yeah. <laughs> we'll we'll figure it out, folks. Yes. But until that time, keep functioning as you can and I hope you have a good month. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> but on that note, uh, bye, folks.